Folks, that's the Christmas story. We're going to leave those lyrics there. We're going to leave those lyrics there for a second. Love has come for the world to know. The wise men knew it a long time ago. And angels sang that hope had begun when the God of glory, who is full of mercy, sent his son. That is the Christmas story. Now I feel like my microphone's not on. Can you all hear me? Okay. You can hear me and I can't hear me, so that's good. I really wished when I knew I was going to play that, I really wished our kids could have been here. That comes from, um, has anybody ever heard that song before? That's what I thought. That comes from an Amy Grant album about 30 years ago. It's not, I'm not on. Let me turn it off and back on. Am I on now? Hey, good morning, yeah. Uh, what I was telling you is that this comes from a Amy Grant album about 30 years ago, and it was a staple in our house. I wish my kids were here because Deborah would tell you she'd probably smile when she heard it, is that we had this Amy Grant, and it wasn't a CD, teenagers. It was an old cassette. That's how long ago it was. And we would plug that in, and every Christmas when we'd go to see grandparents, we would... We would sing songs off this album together, and they would just, I could still hear, I could still hear them singing Love Had Come, but their favorite one was Emmanuel. And what's so funny about that is that I went on Facebook this morning, Deborah told me it was there, and Jonathan so remembers that, those times, is that he has a video clip of his whole family, three kids in the back, two adults in the front, and they fired off, and they're just firing off. Emmanuel. Man, it was a celebration. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's a celebration. Here is the reason that we celebrate. Love has come. God sent his son, Emmanuel. God is with us. It's a reason for us to celebrate. Now, for those who haven't been here all month, though, I will remind you, I will tell you, because those who've been here know that I've been in a celebrating mood all month. In fact, our um, our series is entitled Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. We've been celebrating all month, but I want to say this to you very personally before we get into the message. This has been my prayer for us as, as God's people at New Hope. My prayer is that how we celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, family get-togethers, church functions, of other parties, that those celebrations should pale in comparison to celebrating Jesus. You see, all of those things are good, and in the words of Matthew McConaughey, real good. Those things are real good. But I want to tell you, those things are not the best. We're going to spend two or three days with our kids and our grandkids this week. And we're looking forward to it. And I love my, I love my family. They're just such wonderful folks. And I love to celebrate with them. But you need to hear me, hear me clearly. As much as I love to celebrate with my family, be with my family, 
My family can't forgive my sin. They can't save my soul. They can't give me an eternal life with Jesus. They can't keep me from hell. They can't give me a new start. They can't give me a new heart. Only Jesus can do that. And that's the reason that we celebrate Jesus. And this month, as you know, if you've been here, we've been celebrating all month. The first Sunday, we celebrated the prophecies. Second, second, first Sunday, we celebrated the prophecies. Second Sunday, we celebrated the power. Third Sunday, we celebrated the person. Now today, we're going to celebrate the proclamation. The proclamation. You see, folks, what happened yesterday was big stuff. What happened in that manger in Bethlehem was big stuff. And it deserves to be celebrated. And if we're going to celebrate it, we have to proclaim it. The birth of Jesus is the biggest thing to hit planet Earth in all of history. It's been proclaimed by centuries. And what I'm going to do this morning, this may be a little simplistic for some of you. What I'm going to do this morning is talk to you about the proclamation of, of how it should be proclaimed, how it has been proclaimed, how it better be proclaimed by the groups of people. So let's begin together. If you have your bulletin and you want to take notes, you can write these down. We begin with the proclamation, the proclamation of the prophets. Now some of you will go, Brother Jerry, you're, this is old ground because the first Sunday of the month we talked about the celebrating of, of the prophecies. Well, it is true that the prophecies came from the prophets. These were men, the prophets were the men that God inspired to proclaim the truth of Jesus. And since we did spend a whole Sunday on it, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch. But do let me remind you of two words from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 6 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, a virgin will conceive and have a son, make his name and call him Emmanuel, God with us. A virgin will conceive. Have you let that run through your mind? And then two chapters later, in chapter 9, he says, For a child will be born for us, and a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. Here's the best part. You want a personal part? He will be called Wonderful Counselor. You know what that means? That means in your deepest, darkest times when you know him, he's a counselor you can count on. A wonderful counselor. A mighty God. You know what that means? That means when you have a relationship with him and your world's falling apart, he's the creator God that can put it back together. Eternal father, when you come to Jesus and you're born and adopted in his family, he becomes your father. And he loves you and he takes care of you and you can count on him. And then the prince of peace. Of all the things we need in this world today. We need some peace. And we don't just need absence of conflict. We need the internal stability to be solid while the world spins about us out of control. And these are just two of the prophets and the prophecies. The prophets proclaimed what they knew. And do you know what they knew? Here's what they knew. They knew the needs of their people. They knew that this was the message that God had placed on their heart. And they knew they had to proclaim it. They had to make the Messiah known. They had to make the Deliverer known. They had to make the Savior known. They had to make God's Son known. And here's the thing, folks. This is what comes to us. When God captivates your heart, you have to tell it. 
When God captivates your heart, you must tell it. You can't keep it to yourself. I believe they got so full as prophets, so full that they just couldn't keep it to themselves. And I think that's something we're going to see in just a second also. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit and they proclaimed it, the proclamation of the prophets. That's the Old Testament. Now, if you want to turn in your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. Because the second proclamation that we can that we can celebrate is the proclamation of the angels. Angels. Angels have always been used of God to announce things. All through the Bible, he used angels. They just kind of made the announcements. Now, I'm pretty partial to this guy named Gabriel, this angel named Gabriel. And Gabriel seems to make the big announcements for him. Now, Gabriel is only mentioned four times in the Bible. There are other angels mentioned four times in the Bible. Two times in Daniel, in chapter 8, Gabriel is told to go and make sure Daniel understands the vision he was given. In Daniel 9, Gabriel goes back to complete the task because he doesn't want to disappoint the one who sent him, and that would be God. So we know Gabriel's a messenger. Now, your turn to Luke 2, just stay there. I'm just going to tell you about this. But Gabriel appears in Luke 1, two times. He appears to Zechariah, and he tells Zechariah, y'all going to have a baby. That would have been big stuff, except they were older than me. Hello? Deborah, would you be surprised? Never mind, I'm not going to ask you, honey. If I told her that, she would pass out. Gabriel was given the responsibility to say John the Baptist was going to be born. And then further down in chapter 1, Gabriel was given the responsibility to tell Mary that Jesus was going to be born. This is big stuff. This is the guy that does the big heavy listing. So now we look in chapter 2. And we're not going to read all of it. We'll just read a few of the verses but, but in chapter, in chapter two, the shepherds are out on the fields keeping watch over their flock. Whew. And then the sky erupted. Now, some of you have heard me say this. It was almost like a UFO experience. Light show. And it says, and watch this. Now, it says this in, in verse, uh, um, it's not on the screen. In verse, um, Eight shepherds staying out on the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. Verse nine, an angel of the Lord stood before them. In in chapter two of Luke, I don't. Gabriel is not mentioned. I want to be clear. Gabriel is not mentioned. It's just an angel. Every time there, it's just an angel. However, your pastor has a sneaking suspicion that it was Gabriel. You know why? Because every big announcement that God made, he used Gabriel. And I don't think, I don't think God was going to hand this announcement off to a, to a lower angel. I think he was going to use his best. And plus, I believe that, I, that Gabriel might have said, hey, God, I have handled all your big stuff now. This is the biggest stuff in all of eternity. Don't hand it to somebody else. I'm excited about it. I want to go tell them about it. And so then... And then it says that, uh, um, verse 10, I think that's on the screen for us, Mitch. Verse 10, 
But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Now, can you imagine? You're setting out on a... You guys who keep cattle, that's fine. They had sheep. You're sitting out there. There are no street lights. All you got, the only light you have is the fire and the uh, moon and the stars. And all of a sudden, the lights, uh, all of heaven opens up and you see this being there. What would you have thought? Now, come on, don't be too spiritual. You'd have run for cover, probably. If you were not so overwhelmed, you couldn't move. It was a big deal. And so the angel said, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And what is that good news? Today in the city of David, a Savior is born for you, who is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. You see, the truth is, is that when I, when I hear this announcement, and I think about it being Gabriel... I can hear his, I can hear the crescendo. I can't do it today because my voice is in such bad shape. But I can hear the crescendo of his voice as he gets excited and more excited and more excited. And I believe that all the angel in heaven were excited with him. And I believe this happened spontaneously. Push it there, if you will. And then suddenly, Without warning, it was a shock, it was a surprise. There was just one angel, and then there was a multitude of the heavenly host. Angel after angel after angel praising God and saying, and here's the proclamation, glory to God in the highest, and peace to the people of earth. Man, Jesus Christ of heaven is now becoming Jesus Christ of earth. To show the world the Father's love and become their Savior. Have you ever thought about how huge this announcement was? Have you really ever thought about how huge it was? It's my belief that we just read the wow effect. Have you ever been to a musical and you get to the climax of the musical where it just kind of crescendos and it shocks you and surprises you here's the deal jesus was born jesus was here the angel said go see jesus god's promised one the savior the messiah the redeemer the son of god and the lord of glory boy the proclamation of the angels if you don't get excited about that if they don't light your fire, your wood's wet. And then you, then you know what happens next. Not just from the proclamation of the angels. It moves immediately to the proclamation of the shepherds. The shepherds. I could preach a whole series of why God probably chose shepherds. Probably because they had time. Probably because they would take time. Probably because that they were humble enough to do what they were told. But I want to just ask you a question. Had you been one of those shepherds in that field, and you had just witnessed this heavenly divine light show, what would you have done? Really? I mean, I mean, you're looking at it in history, but what do you think you would have done? Oh, I just had a dream. Right, it was nothing. Or would you just kind of sat on your blessed assurance and decided, hmm, I'll check that out next week when I have a chance? Or 
you know, I can't leave. My sheep need me. The fire is too warm. I'm too tired. I need some sleep. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You see, a lot of times we don't respond correctly. I'd like to think that if I'd have been one of the shepherds and I had that announcement had been made to me, I would have said the same thing that the shepherds said. You read it down in verse 15 and 16. I think it's on the screen for those that don't have scripture. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, this is the Christian standard version. Let us, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, what the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. I mean, I know the old King James says, let us go now. That's kind of sedate. The new King James Version says, and they hurried off. King, uh, this Christian standard says, they went straight to Bethlehem. I like that. Straight to Bethlehem. They didn't pass go. They didn't collect $200. They They didn't do anything. They had to go right there, and they came with haste. That's what the old King James says. They hurried. They did it. And they found everything just like the angels said. I want to offer this to you today. With all the respect and love that I have. Sometimes. We miss God's best. Because we want to take our time. Instead of coming with haste and hurrying. I mean, I know there's times that we need to stop and think. But when God speaks, we need to do. And I want you to think about your own life. We hurry to do everything else but the things of God. You can think about how your life was in a hurry this week to get things done for yesterday. And those were good things. Your pastor's not putting you down for that. I'm just telling you that those are not the best things. The shepherds came with haste and watched this, and they found Mary, Joseph, and they found the baby who was lying in a manger. But that's not even the goodest part. Now, you English folks, you don't like the word goodest. It's not in the dictionary. That's okay. You can use the word best. For me, it's goodest. It may not be good English, but it's accurate. And the best part is what you'll read next. After seeing them, they reported... (laughs) I don't even like how this is translated. After seeing them, they reporters today reported... Reported the message. They were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Not only, not only did, they, did they tell the message, I think the New King James Version does a little better. It says they made it widely known. They made it widely known. You understand this was a message that nobody knew until they started telling it. In large measure in our culture today, it is a message that few people know unless we tell it. The shepherds, the shepherds, I'm going to tell you what I think it means 
in my heart. When, when they returned, they told anyone who would listen, and they made a stab and effort at telling those who wouldn't listen because this was the most important message in all of history. And if you look, it's, and they're not over. He's going to put verse 20 up here now. The shepherds returned. They were not through, and they were glorifying, and they were praising God for the, all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they were told. Boy, they were celebrating the coming of Jesus. They were celebrating Jesus' coming. They were proclaiming it to the world so that the world will know. Brothers and sisters, if the people in this room don't proclaim it, don't tell it, the world who is lost and going to hell will never know it. It's that simple. The proclamation of the shepherd speaks to us. And then, number four, the proclamation of the wise men. I want you to see all the people that, that need to be proclaiming it. Now, if you want a scripture, you can turn back to Matthew chapter 2. That's where the wise guys, I mean the wise men came. Now, the wise men didn't come to Bethlehem. They didn't come to the manger. It was about 18 months later. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Is that the wise men must have been pretty excited about everything that was going on. Because they traveled 18 months from the time the baby was born. And they got there and literally the word in the, in the Greek means young child. Which would have been a toddler. He would have been a toddler about 18 months old. But I want to tell you about these wise men. For 18 months... They searched. That wasn't that long to go back because they were searching. They left their homes. They left their families. They left their lives. They left everything they had to find the child, to find the promised one of Israel. Ladies, you'll be impressed with the wise men when I tell you they stopped to ask for directions. Now, they asked the wrong guy because, because the king wasn't going to be honest with them. But God was in control. Now, Matthew 2 Verses 9 and 10 kind of give us a little bit, little part of this. It says, after hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was. Don't you like that? There it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them till it came and stopped over the place where the child was. Wow. I'm going to tell you, the, the deal is, is that they followed the star, and it led them to the one. I want to say that again. They followed the star, the leadership God put in front of them, and it led them to the one. Here's what I ask you today. How often does God put a star in your life? Oh, it may not be a star in the sky. It may be a direction or a path or a calling to a ministry. How often does God put a star in your life, one that he wants you to follow, and you choose not to follow it? You choose to do your own thing, make your own decisions, go your own way. These were wise men, right? Look at what the next verse says. Pop it up there, if you will. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Now, I remember the old King James and Lanny Wolf wrote it in a musical many years ago. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. You see, because when they saw the star... They were overwhelmed. They were filled because they knew that God was leading them. They knew that they had been faithful to God and now God was being faithful to them. 
And it wasn't over, be, it wasn't over this thing of being selfish or self-centered or arrogant about being God's people because, <coughs> excuse me, because when they came to the place where the child was, do I have that up there? Is there another scripture up there? Yeah. When they came to the place where the child was entering the house, they saw the child Mary with his mother. And look at the, listen to this. I'm speaking to people my age and older as much as the younger folks. And falling to their knees. And falling to their knees. They worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and mirth. Gold, frankincense, and mirth spanned his life. The gold being from the birth and mirth speaking of his death. But I want you not to miss this. These were not young men. We talk about our knee problems and our hip problems and our head problems and our joint problems and we can't bow before him. I'm afraid it is not a body problem. I'm afraid it's a heart issue. Because these men with all their ailments and frailties, when they saw that when they came in the presence of the child, they bowed down in worship on their Brother Jerry, I'm too sophisticated to get on my knees. Well you may be too sophisticated to get into heaven. Because everybody who met Jesus in Scripture wound up on their faces when they saw him in his glory. It doesn't matter if it's Isaiah 6. It doesn't matter if it's the transfiguration. It doesn't matter if it's Revelation 1. Think about Revelation 1. John had, had literally been the one sitting next to Jesus when Jesus was on earth. He literally leaned on his shoulder at the Lord's Supper. And then in Revelation 1, when, Jesus, when he saw Jesus, the glorified Jesus, he fell down as dead because he was overwhelmed. Can you imagine the story that the wise men must have told when they went home? Can you imagine the excitement and the passion that they carried because of God's faithfulness? Can you imagine the impact that the promised one of Israel offered to the world and thus to them. This was no small thing. It's no small thing for them. It's no small thing for us. And they had to proclaim the news. So you see them on the screen. Proclamation of the prophets, the angels, the shepherds, the wise men. But there's one more group. That, and this is what kind of gets in our face. It's the proclamation of the redeemed. That'd be us. Hello? That'd be us. Sometimes we get so excited about Jesus' birthday because Jesus is a baby. We love babies. Love babies. Babies. We love babies. Sometimes we get excited about Jesus' resurrection because nobody really ever did that. Lazarus was raised by Jesus, but Jesus is the only one that, that we know that predicted that he would die and come back. And so we love those two events. 
But we love those two events, and sometimes we forget, we tend to forget why he came and why he lived and why he died and why he rose. And here's why it is. He came to redeem this lost, sin-sick, needy race of people that we call human beings. You know why? Because we can't do it on ourselves. We can't do it on our own. These guys, these redeemed. Remember, was it last week, week before last? In the fullness of time, when time was just right, at the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. These are the ones that should be shouting it from the rooftops. We have a song. Listen to me. If you've been, if you've been redeemed by Christ, we have a song that even the angels cannot sing. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. It should be the proclamation of every one of us who Jesus has saved. It was at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell. Peter got filled. Started preaching. Preached for 10 minutes. And this was his declaration. This probably should be our declaration. Therefore, let everyone know that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And now we're going to leave that there just for a second to impress on us that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we think. God has made him Lord and Christ. That was in Acts chapter 2. Two chapters later, Peter and John have been arrested for healing somebody, for crying out loud. And to his captors, he gave these words. These might ought to be our testimony. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Whew! Peter's telling us what we should what we should know, what we should tell, what we should share. We should celebrate it by proclaiming it to our friends, proclaiming it to our families, proclaiming it to our neighbors, our fellow workers, and more. Maybe for some of you, for some of us, maybe what we should do is we should use the same witnessing testimony to proclaim it as the woman at the well in John 4 said when she just simply said, come, see a man. Sometimes all we have to do is just lead them to Jesus. Or perhaps, or perhaps we're like the blind man in John 9. Somebody's giving Jesus a hard time in front of you. This might be what you want to say. You know, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I just know that I was blind, but now I see how do you argue with a miracle? You want one even better than that? I'll take you to Lazarus in John 11. I was dead. And now I'm alive. And some of us in our arrogance will go, well, I've never been dead, Brother Jerry. I, you know, I, I've never been dead. That, did, that doesn't really apply to me. Well, let me just tell you how wrong you are. Ephesians. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he said, 
But you were dead in trespasses and sin. When you're pronounced dead by God, you're dead. You are dead in trespasses and sin. That is us before Jesus. That is the lost humanity. You are dead. Brent, you were dead, Jimmy. You were dead, Brock. You were dead, Mike. You were dead, Jerry. Watch this. Don't you love the scripture? You were dead in your trespasses of sin, but God. Hello? But, don't you love those words? But God. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us has made us alive together with Christ. Just as surely, let me say it this way. If Jesus doesn't split the scalp, which I could be any moment and return. And I will say, I will pause when I put that phrase out there to tell you, that if Jesus were to split the scope and in the next five minutes, whatever your spiritual condition is at that point, you're there for eternity. If Jesus doesn't return, just as surely as I am standing here, every one of us will die one day. And just as surely as we would die one day, we were spiritually dead if Jesus, and we are spiritually dead if Jesus has not made us alive. Jesus offers to give us the same call that he did Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Come alive. Eric, come alive. Caleb, Come alive. Cheryl, come alive. That's the call that he gives to us. And when he gives it to us and we accept his call, then we are to proclaim it. The proclamation of the redeemed. Has this happened to you? If it's happened to you, do you ever tell it? If it's not happened to you, wouldn't you want him to to forgive your sin and give you a new life and give you something to to proclaim? He'll do it today. Remember how we started? Love has come for the world to know that love is Jesus. The wise men knew it a long time ago, and they traveled 18 months, and then they proclaimed it. The angels saying that hope had begun. I'd love to have been a fly on on the mountain that night. When the God of glory, full of mercy, sent his son. That's the proclamation that we celebrate. That's the Jesus we celebrate. That's that's the life in which we participate. And it's the hope of we proclaim Jesus. Let's pray together.